Bwana sifiwe. Praise the Lord. Good to be back. I was here last, I think, 2019. Right, that's when I saw you last. I think I've grown taller. But I'm much, much thinner. When I came here, I was big in terms of the size. But you are also growing big, eh? <laughs> the only person not growing big is our pastor, Davis. It's always like this. <laughs> Thank you so much. I sincerely count it a privilege to be able to come and for the church, Victory Faith Church, the partnership they have with the high school ministry. It's not, we can't take that for granted. It is a great blessing that this church, we started by training you. I remember we were called by Makindu and his team. We trained a small team at your office in Westlands. That's what gave birth to Gladys Mukami and uh, Makindu. I remember the two because they were the first people we trained. And as we were training them, we didn't know that they will catch this fire and continue with this vision to to date. You know, Gladys became the regional coordinator of Greater Nairobi region. She was covering Kajiado, Kiambu, Nyandarwa, Nairobi, all that when she began. And from there, she became our national field coordinator. Praise the Lord. Then she got a husband <laughs> when serving the Lord. And now they have a child. Is that not a miracle? A big miracle for her life. And she's a great blessing to us. And number two, why we take Victory Faith Church very seriously is because it is the one of the few churches that allocate time for KCF at least once a year, where there's a Sunday service where we position the church to think about high school ministry. I think it is, it is uh, there are only three churches that, that, that do that, and Victory Faith is one of them. That does this every year we know we'll have a session and talk about high school work in Kenya. Is that not a blessing? A great blessing indeed. And therefore, we want to say that we appreciate this. But lastly, why the Victory Faith Church is very important to us is because it is one of the churches that faithfully give finances to support the work of KSF. This church gives 480,000 in a year to support the work of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that not a privilege? But finally, it is also the church 
that as a team, committed team, that goes to school. A ministry team that exists for the high school work. And today I'm coming to fish for more. To join the team. Praise the Lord. And therefore, Pastor Davis, we are grateful in the presence of the Lord and by the mercies of the Lord that this work, you have stood with us and you have been faithful to this. The only thing we are doing is to pray that God will enlarge you, will increase you, that his presence will ever, ever dwell in this church. And those are the prayers I was praying when I was standing there. I prayed for you. You know I'm the bishop of high school ministries in Kenya. So <laughs> you can take my prayers very seriously. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have prayed for you. And we pray for you every morning in our head office. We have our morning devotion. We pray for all the partners who faithfully serve the Lord. I know you are already convinced, you are already convicted of high school work, but Paul says, although you know it, I will keep on reminding you. So even today we will remind you of the need we have and why every person seated here needs to think critically what we will do with our students while they are in school. So my, my discussion is not a preaching. We'll cover parenting for those who are parents here. Uh, I will talk to youth, young people I've seen from high school. You need to pay attention because some of the things I'm going to teach, you'll only hear them when I come to your school. So they are going to be very relevant to you. But again, I want to talk to the work itself, those who want to join the ministry. I came with some two young men. I don't know if they're around. Uh, Brother Francis, are you here? And Levi, come and just greet. And Levi. So my name is Joseph Odingo. You've heard that. It is on the screen. I'm born again. And I love Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm married. One female wife. My wife is a female. <laughs> Together we have two boys and two girls. And today I came with one of my boys, who is also, who is also in high school. So they will just greet and then continue. Praise the Lord. My name is Francis Mutua. I love Jesus as my Savior. I serve in the main office as a Account assist. Praise God. Stand here, man. I'm Livio Cheng. I'm in Ambira High School and I'm born again. Amen. So, Levi is our second born son. Our first born is also doing an exam next year. She's in Form 4. 
they did not come because we had a function in the church where my wife was really needed. So she decided to remain with the girls. And I came with the boy. The other boy went for, they have a tournament which he has attended so he couldn't come with us. But the Lord is good. Hallelujah. So I want to take you through some of the topics, issues facing young people. But I will also mention something on parenting which is very important for the generation we live in today. So you can move to the next slide. The design of the enemy is usually to destroy young people before they realize their destiny. Remember Pharaoh, when Moses was born, he launched human massacre, focusing young boys. And they were searched all over Egypt. His aim was to kill them before they come to the knowledge of right and wrong. Bible says, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and sit them on the bath stool, this is King James, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. That's the plan of the enemy. That his arsenals and weapons are directed at destroying children when they are still young. When Jesus is born, Herod did the same when he said, when Jesus was born. He launched a massacre of young boys. He covered it up by saying, a king has been born. You know, you may not understand, but the enemy has always fought the boy child. I was talking with a teacher from Kiambu and he told me that now male children are not in school. There's an onslaught because the enemy knows the kingdom of God rested, rests on the male child. That is a plan to destroy them. Nebuchadnezzar, when he became king, the boss said that he chose young men. And part of these young men were the Hebrew boys. What did he do? In chapter 1, he took them through the Babylonian literature, Babylonian science. What was the mind? Because those literature of Babylonians never had anything to do with God. It was to indoctrinate them, brainwash them. In chapter 3 of Daniel, he raises up an image and he commands everyone, everywhere to kneel and worship it. But before he could raise up the golden image, he took those young boys through Babylonian literature, books, which had ensure the worship of the true God is not, is not known to them. So when he commanded the nation to worship the golden image, 
People easily bow down to worship that God. The only people who resisted were those Hebrew boys who had been raised up in Jerusalem. And if the devil wants to take over a generation, he's not concerned with the older generation. He ensures that young people are raised up with no God so that he can dictate their lives. The foundations are being shaken. That's what the Bible says in Psalms 11.3. If the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? And you know the greatest destruction is to destroy the key foundations of the Christian faith. The devil is not concerned with the Muslim faith, with the Hindu faith. That's not a threat to him. What he knows is great threat is the Christian faith because that faith talks about eternity, talks about life after death, talks about life eternal. Those other religions don't talk about that. And what has happened? He ensures that children growing up in the families take on the pattern of the world. Great truths of the Bible today are not the foundation of the Christian life. We want to develop the philosophies of the world, the pattern of the world, the reasoning of the world, and that's what we are raising our children with. And you know how our foundation destroyed? He destroys foundations when good is presented as evil and evil is presented as good. See, this Matatu driver from Thika is carrying students this, this week. This man has carried students, these students are taking alcohol. They are playing sex in the Matatu. The driver drives the Matatu to the police station. But what happened to him? The company fires him. And they say, you are spoiling the name of our company. Why? Because that's the generation we live in. Good is evil. You are fired from your job because you are hell-bent to do good. And wrong is being presented as right. And you can see that normally when you go for elections. The incapability is real. You see, the greatest battle facing every nation is whether they will raise up godly children. That's the biggest battle. The threat to our nation, Kenya, is not as Shabab or militia groups. That's not the threat. The threat is when children are raised up knowing good as bad and bad as good. That's the biggest threat. If your children can grow up without your faith, that's a big threat. If children can come to church and they demand their own, their own songs. You know, in some churches, 
youths demand their own songs. The songs you are singing here, they think they are irrelevant. So if they have their own group, they're put in a small room, and in that room, they, they, they demand the kind of songs they want to sing. They even demand the kind of pastor to pastor them. So they can go to the bishop and tell the bishop, we don't want pastor so-and-so because he cannot speak our language, he doesn't understand us, he doesn't preach the gospel we want. Now, if that is your church, listen, you've lost them. You've just lost them. There's no better place to transform the lives of children than in a school setup. There's no better place. Think about this for a moment. Children are in the school for four weeks only in a year. The rest of the weeks, the rest of the months, they're in the school. So if you want to reach out and transform your generation, you don't transform them in the church. You transform them when they're in the school. If you want your church to live 100 years from now, you must carefully invest in the lives of children before they reach 18 years. You have to. If you, have your, if you want your children to continue your faith, to continue your Christianity, the only way to protect your children from becoming Islam, Muslims, and being destroyed, is to carefully invest your faith in them. We live in a generation where you are told how to invest in property. All the money you are getting, you are thinking of plots to buy. But you know, those plots you are buying will be inherited by strangers when you die. If you don't carefully invest in the life of your children. <laughs> Thank you. Those properties you say, oh, we have a property here, we have built here, we have this big car here. Those things, you will die. And they will be used by strangers. And your children will live in poverty. We have 10,487 high schools in Kenya. Think about this for a moment. 1048,000 high schools in Kenya now. 80% of those schools are owned by the church. They are owned by ACK. Some are owned by Catholic. Some are by PCA, African Inland Church. They are church missionary schools. But you know something? Most, those, most of those churches don't have any plan at all on how the faith of the students in those schools can be built so that they raise up as Christian and maintain their Christianity. They don't have any plan. 
And if 80% of those schools have midweek service and Sunday services, how many churches do we have? How many? What is the population of that church? If you take 80% of 1048 and you take an average of 500 students in a school which attends the Sunday services or the midweek service, how many students gathers per week to listen to God's word? It is the largest church in Kenya. The largest. There's no big church like this high school church. This year alone, 1.1 million young from once, August 2nd this year, 1.1 million students entered from one. There's no church in Kenya or in the world that has new intake of that level. No church. No church receives new members, 1.1 million in a year. No church in the world. Take the largest church in the world. They don't get that. But the high school in Kenya give us that opportunity to receive new. There's a school where my son is. They received 613 boys for Form 1. Form 1 alone. 613. I was talking with the Sioux patron when I went there. The Sioux patron is never in the school. Never. She is a song leader in our church. I was asking her, how many members do you have in your church? She told me 150. You are a song leader of 150 people. And the school has over 1,800 boys. 1,800 have no one to lead them in worship songs. She's busy leading 150. Then she, she, she prays for them. I was asking her, who should be, who should be prayed for? <laughs> who should be prayed for? The most neglected. Even the people you say they are employees of TSC, they are Christian, they are saved, never value high school ministry. That's why we come to church now and begin to mobilize churches, raise up workers. If we don't do that, at the end of next year, March, around April, high school shall, shall, have, shall have released close to 800,000 boys and girls who you will never see again. Never. Once they leave high school, you can't meet them. So what do you do? Look at the data here of schools we have in Kenya. According to 2019, basic education statistics, we got this from the booklet they developed, the Ministry of Education has developed. Childhood, ECD, we have 46,000 institutions offering ECD. The population is 6 million of children. That number must have gone up by now. Primary schools, we have 32 primary schools, 1,000 primary schools. 
with a population of 10 million. So total ECD and primary school, you are talking of 16 million children. High schools, institutions 10487. At any one time, we have 4 million students in those high schools. So the total population of education system in Kenya, minus the university, you are talking of 20 million. What will happen to a nation if you impact positively a population of 20 million? What will happen to our churches? What will happen to our businesses? What will happen to our country? But you know, the danger facing us, that population you see here, is the most neglected. Most Christians don't understand high school mission as a core mission field. Most Christians think when they become an usher in the church, that's more important. But the person who goes to school to reach out to boys and girls, you know some of you sitting here, you are, you are professionals. Yesterday I was, in a, I was in a function and a man testified that is an engineer. He gave a story how his life was impacted and changed in the school. You know what I was telling him? Now young boys and girls need engineers to go back and preach to them and show them that you can become a Christian, an engineer who is a Christian. You can become an accountant who is a Christian. You can become a lawyer who is a Christian. Where do you want to, where do you want to impact your life? Because you are low fees. The low, if you're a lawyer, you are charging fees to present people in cases. But how will you tell the students that lawyers are not liars? How will you prove that accountants are not thieves? You can go back there as a Christian and tell those young boys and girls you can rise up and become a professional accountant and live like a Christian. What will be the impact of that? And that opportunity exists every day. You see, only 10% of students in a school know God can defend their faith and can share their faith. Think about that. Go to any school. Ask the CU patron or the teacher, how many of your boys or girls know God to the extent they can defend their faith, to the extent they can share their faith? No school in Kenya can give you more than 10% of the population. If you go to any university in Kenya and go to their, to the hall they meet for Sunday service, any university in Kenya, you'll find out the number attending Sunday service in any university in Kenya cannot go beyond 10% of the student population of that university. 
can't. If you ask Pastor Davis and any other pastor of any church, the total population of members who come to church, compare that with the committed members. Listen carefully. Those who give to support the work of God. Those who stand with the church. Those who respond to missions. Those who are committed serving in the church. If you look at that number, it cannot go beyond 10% of the population who come to sit and look at the preacher the way you are doing now. It can't. So what do you do if you want to increase the number of saved students in the university? You increase the percentage at the school level. You want to get committed, more committed members in the church? Increase your 10% here. You increase it from the source. So that was the, 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 we had 792,000 who left high school last, last, this year in April. Think about this. 792,000 who left this year, only 10% were born again who can defend their faith. The rest will lose it. Those are the 10% that go to the university, they become committed, they come to church, they are, they are committed. So if you want to effect change, high school work must be the focus of any church. Most churches in Kenya, they don't have a budget for high school work. They don't even talk about high school. You, what you will hear them say, schools are burning. What do you do? The schools have become very bad. Our children have become very bad. That's what the pastor is preaching. But they don't sit down and say, what can we consciously do to change the scale? Meaning every time the church board meets, the high school is an agenda. They're not doing it to help KCF. They'll be doing it to help them themselves. To help their churches, to help their members. So how is, how is the devil working to destroy young people? And this is very important for you, the parent, and the young people who are here. What I'm calling shifting the ground, the devil's agenda. How does the devil work? And this is a cause of worry. One thing the devil has done in our generation he has raised up entertainment and excitement as a religion. You know, some of you think when you sit before your TV like today and watching Churchy Live, you are being entertained. That's not entertainment. That man excels the people who come to that Churchy Live they use lies to make you laugh. They use deceit. Have you ever asked yourself? It is a program which is watched by both parents and the children. So who is helping who? Who is leading who? 
It is only our generation where children are leading the parents. You are a captive of your children. You cover it up by saying, we have to understand our children. They are living in a different generation. They are not living in a different generation. You are living in this generation. Your children found you living in this generation. How can they overtake you? How can you reduce yourself to the level where you now listen to them and get direction from them? There must be something terribly wrong somewhere with our generation. See, you look at the entertainment world, be it music, videos, soap operas, any TV program, even the news presenter, you'll see the following. They glorify self. The appearance of the news presenter when she's presenting, it's not her appearance when you, met, when you meet her when she has woken up. Those two appearances are different. <laughs> what happens? It is self. It is a God of the self. They want to become gods and goddess. There's a woman by the name Beyonce. She called herself a diva. Diva is a Latin word meaning goddess. To promote herself, she came up with a song saying, I am a diva, I am a diva. She occupies a throne like a queen and a crown on, on her head. Now she has started a, a religion, she called it Bezi. A religion that teaches that she is a god, not a human being. And most of those celebrities, they present themselves as gods and goddess. When Mike Tyson was at the top of the world, do you know what he said? He said, I cannot be beaten. No human being can beat me because I am a god. One year, when he said those words, he was arrested. For three years, he had raped a young girl. And when he came from jail, he never won again. He was beaten six times after saying he was a god. So the entertainment industry is a religion. It promotes self. The priests are the celebrities. See, in the reggae world, in the Rastafari world, Bob Marley was not just a human being. He was the high priest of Rastafari movement. And that's why you find these young boys who stood up, these teenagers in high school. Are they here? Put up your hand again. Your high school students here. And look at me carefully. And listen. They are addicted to music. Some of them cannot live without music. The, it is the only generation that listens to songs they don't understand. They don't understand. They don't take time to understand the songs. 
But do you know why they're, they're addicted? Do you know why you're addicted to music? You're addicted to music because it is a religion. It has a spiritual power behind it. So as a young person growing up, the first thing you do is to carefully choose the songs playing in your life. Because those songs speak values. They speak philosophy. They have a high praise. The song, that, that song, the man producing the song and dancing before you is not entertaining you. When he does all those things and they move and, and they have all those things, the man is not entertaining you. They know they don't entertain you. They know they are recruiting you to their belief system, to their culture. That culture is full of rebellion. It teaches young people not to obey authority. Teaches young people not to go to the church their parents go to. That's why when they grow old and become teenagers, they tell you, Dad, your church is too old. You want a church of the youth. There's nothing called the church of the youth. There's nothing. It is only that your mind has been shifted and destroyed by the culture of entertainment. You are giving yourself to a religion. That religion has a God called self. That's why the, the singer normally promotes himself. There's no, humili there's no humility. There's no respect. They use music to prophesy over your life. I you know the songs they come up with today are very dirty. They use the same words you know, but they have their hidden meaning of those words. Eh? If I was teaching students, I would have mentioned those songs. She comes before you and says, sugar, sukari, sugar. And then, thinks she's just dancing, moving her moves. She's passing on her culture. The language becomes dirty. So lollipop to them is not lollipop you know. When they see wam nyonyes, wam lambes, it's not what you know. When they say pekejeng, it's not what you know. When they use words like chesa nanare, it's not what you know. Because the enemy has, the power he has is to change the language of young people. Give them words when they speak, the parents don't understand. So you find the parent, it's a birthday, celebrating the birthday of their child. This boy is in the, is in the high school, he brings you a song. He understands the language of that song. You don't understand, but you are dancing with them. After dancing with those songs, you sit and pray. You've already worshipped and you didn't know you were worshipping. Praise the Lord. Are you here? Yes. All right. Those TV programs are the scriptures they read for you. You know, yesterday, 
one of our leaders is retiring. She's a teacher, she has retired, and the children organized a party for her. And this, her husband died when she had just completed giving birth to about five children. Gunmen came and shot this man dead. This lady is left alone to raise up her kids. But the testimony those children had was, it went something like this. If you wanted to know how to pray, we will pray the prayer of our mother. If we wanted to know how to preach, we'll preach the sermon of our mother. If you wanted to know how to live with people, because their home was a home of people coming to live, strangers, and this boy was telling the people that we only knew several years later that the guy we lived with was not our relative. We only knew later. To them, a house help was an aunt, respected, loved. That the culture they were growing. So the, 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 the children was were, were telling us the mother was not just a high school teacher doing chalks. She was a teacher of life. That's what she invested, invested in the life of her children. That's what has made them become who they are. They threw her party. So I was telling them when I heard those words. I told the people when they gave me time to talk. I asked them a question. What are we busy with? You know, some of, some of us are busy bringing children into the world. That's their main business. Their wife is a factory of making children. But they are not committed and busy to raise up those children. Fathers, look at me for a moment. Does your children know what you want and what you don't want? Have you made it clear in the family that in my home, these are the things you will be doing? This is what I want in my home. Do your children know where you stand among the many confusion going on in the world? Have you stated it clearly to them? Are you raising up your children or you are giving birth to them? Then you leave the church to raise them on your behalf and leave the school to raise them on your behalf. Are you involved? Can your children reference you as a parent? I said, this one I learned from my father. This one I learned from my mother. When young girls want to know how to dress, are you the source of their inspiration or you are just like them? Are you the source? So that's what I mean. It is the difference to bring children to the world, but a difference to raise them up. Now we have amusement parks where people go just to be entertained with laughter. 
you have comedians whose main business is to make you laugh. Do you think when they make you laugh, that's the laugh they live in secret? No, some of them made you laugh today, tomorrow they committed suicide. Because you can't sustain your life with that. Religion of excitement and entertainment seduces people into living their lives for one thing, the thrill of the moment. It's the excitement of the man. You know, when you watch things like Churchy Live, the next thing you ask, who is coming? What fun does he have? Your mouth is just open. You're waiting to laugh. Much time is wasted on social sites, on Facebook. Facebook has taken the place of prayer. Family time is not there. Mama amekuja, akona sim. Baba, akona sim. Watoto, akona nini? Nasim mozote. Alafu, unagundua ni ten. Let's go to sleep. So and so, pray for us. God bless us. Amen. That's the life you live. As a Christian, the only week you're busy looking for money, which is never enough for you. But you see, the question they ask is it fun? But it never wants to ask, it never wants us to ask more important questions such as is it true? Is it right? Is it good? Is it godly? Let me tell you how you can help your children. There's a program which was aired in Citizen TV called Maria. You know it. That Maria possessed teenagers in Kenya. My son is here, he will tell you it was not a problem in my home. Never. So I watched it once. Then I sat down with my children. Took them through the characters. The lies. The emotions. The actions. Then. I didn't tell them not to watch it. But I can tell you. Those programs. Are not watched in my house. Can't tell you that. Now there's Zora, isn't it? You know Zora? And those soap operas. Your teenage girl is seated before television watching adults in love. They're not in love, they are acting love. Those soap operas, love and sex is the same. So they introduce children to lust and sex, but the love and sex in those soaps is one and the same thing. What do you want for your daughter? So that when children grow up, they don't understand love. So how do men cheat them? They use the word love. I love you so much. When I remember you, I die seven times a day. 
This teenage girl is so excited. The way you have laughed, eh? <laughs> Somebody loves me so much. He, he dies seven times a day. When just remembering me alone, he dies seven times a day. Remembering me. Then they fall easily to the tactics of the men and the lies. So you can't raise up adolescents if you don't deal with the programs in the television. You can't. You can't. Those soap operas, you don't see parents go to church. You don't see those parents praying and reading the Bible. You don't see those parents in those soaps raising children. They will give birth and you don't see the child. What you see in those soap operas, he marries today, divorce tomorrow, marry another woman. They project to you that I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy. Then he meets a, a girl whose only attraction is this married man. The only person she wants in her life is this married man. You know, there are some girls like that in the church. Yeah, make a interested You know what has, what has affected you? You started watching those soaps when you were young. It has affected your thinking. You know, you are next to him, next to her, and you don't know. This is the thing of gymnastics. You so as a family, you put yourself through that without bringing judgment, without bringing teaching, without bringing direction. You lose them. Media, soap operas, movies are avenues where devil changes the culture changes the agenda, changes the situation of the young person. Sexual orgies like pornography. Young people are growing up thinking that pornography is entertainment. So they secretly they watch. You think they are going to sleep. Go to their bedroom at night. You'll be shocked that it is 2 a.m. I'm going to go to 2 a.m. You know the sleep. Simo in a charge. What are they doing with the phone? They're not learning scriptures. They're not watching Christian movies. Celebrity culture. I've talked about this. These people present themselves as God and goddesses. Music, a strong avenue that destroy young people. So what is the result? Go to the next slide. What are we seeing? Because of this uh, uh, entertainment, moral and values decadence and bankrupts. Cults and devil worship in schools is real. Our pastor has talked about lesbians, gay rights. There's a school where the patron called me yesterday. She has been made the CEO patron. 
And she told me that majority of girls are into lesbianism. Who is changing them? Who is teaching them? Where are they learning that from? Criminal gangs, they recruit adolescents. And that one you see in the incident of, of banning of schools. Those schools, some of them are banned by satanists. They were recruited when they were in class six. Murders, homicide. You remember this boy in Kiambu who murdered five relatives? Came back home one evening, killed the father, the mother, brothers, cousins in less than one hour. Did you hear the story that man had? Before he killed his mother and five members of his family, several months he was in a cave watching movies on how to execute murder within the shortest time possible. He watched these movies for several weeks. One evening he woke up with a machete and within one hour, five members were dead. Where, is, where did they learn that from? The product. Sex orgies among children as young as 10 years. Teenage pregnancy. Violence against children. Dwindling respects of elders among children. And the tragedy is, very soon churches will be empty. Very soon. And therefore, the role you must play as a parent is to raise up your children, not the school, not the church. Move again. Young adolescents are in constant attack. And listen to this. The greatest battle ever fought was not World War I and World War II, but the battle to win the soul of young people and dedicate them to the Lord. That's the greatest war. Western counties, they, they tried to fight this war, they lost it. Now, those Western counties have the highest number of atheists, highest number of human rights movements, who know no God. Because they tried to fight that war, they were not committed to it. In the process, they adopted science and philosophy of man. Preaching of the gospel was removed from our schools, from their schools. And now what they are reaping, very soon Muslims will take over those nations. Are we safer in Kenya? We are not safe until as a parent you deliberately get involved in raising up your children. When I met Pastor Davis on Thursday this week, you know what he told me? He said one thing which is powerful. He said the window of opportunity we have now in Kenya in our schools will not always be there. One day it will be closed. 
But when that window is still open, every Christian must rise up to ask the question, what will I do for my generation? Stop thinking about what you want to do for yourself, for your family, for your relative. Stop that for a moment. Just think one thing. What is it I want to leave behind for my generation? How am I going to get involved? Because we are as vulnerable as the counties in the West. The seed of today are the flowers of tomorrow. When Kenya celebrated the 50th year anniversary, you remember what happened? When we came 50 years, that was a very important day for me. When we, when we, when we were uh, celebrating 50th year of independence. You know what, that, what, what stood out is that what the church had become 50 years was an investment of the missionary. Ludwig Kraft, Peter Cameron Scott, they came and invested their life in a foreign land, the people they never knew, people like David Livingstone, they came and poured their life to a generation which had no relationship with them. That's what was standing out 50 years. It had kept this nation, kept the churches, kept the, kept the schools for 50 years. The agony was 50 years when we'll be celebrating 100 years, majority of us may not be there. May not be there. But what the church will become, what our schools will become, 50 years, when you celebrate 100 years, will be you and I, our own investment to our generation. No missionary is coming back again to invest here. No. What will be standing before that generation is what Odingo and you sit and listen to me. It is what we shall have done to our generation. That's what will be keeping the church, keeping the nation. If not, then in that celebration, we'll have homosexuals standing up and say, I am, I am homosexual, but I'm the bishop of this church. So the homosexual bishop will be praying in that meeting. That's the danger facing you and I if you kept quite silent. The schools offers Kenya most the, uh, most of the church the greatest opportunity to determine the kind of Kenyans we want. 2018, we did a study among adolescents asking them which institution, what are your greatest influencers, what influences you the most? Look at the data. Where they are influenced the most was the school then family, then media. Church was number four. But is it interesting that the family and the media have the same share? How comes the family and the media invest their children in the same way? Because most families watch TV programs with their children without changing their minds. Without teaching. 
So very soon, media will take over the family. Because in most families, the main educator is not the parent. The main educator is the TV. The main educator is the, is the social media. The main educator is the YouTube. The main educator is the WhatsApp. The main educator is these things where they go to invest. And then very soon, you'll find the parent become irrelevant in the life of the young person. So if you're going to change our nation, that change is taken to the school, 34%. Education sector provides us with 34%. This is where the church must find its space. The most formative years, 4 to 25 years, we have seen that. Other studies show 80% of those who die saved received Christ before the age of 20. 80%. Even if you ask here how many people gave their life before the age of 18, it, could be, it is higher than the people who gave their lives after the age of 18. Burma Research Group. Christians who died to follow Christ before the age of 20. The Christians who decided to follow Christ before the age of 21, 64% of them decide to follow Christ before the age of 18. If you miss it at the age of 18, you'll have a problem getting saved. Christians, 80%, that's what I've said. We have a great privilege. Why was Abraham chosen? The book of Genesis 18, verse 19. For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after me to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. The reason why you have been chosen. Family first. Deuteronomy, Moses told the people of Israel, teach them diligently to your children. Are you a diligent teacher of your children? Are you a committed teacher of your children? The Kenya situation is redeemable. Just move the slide. I want to finish. Again. Right. I want to take you through what KCF is doing. So that you become part of this. KCF, we have presence in 6,000 schools. That's about 49%. We also have presence in 250 sub-counties. In 44 counties. We are expanding ministry to Moyale, Tana River. Some two weeks ago, I was in Tana River. I went to Kilifi, to Lamu. Three counties in three days meeting teachers and associates to strengthen them in the work. We've done West Pokot. For the first time, we had a camp this August in West Pokot. 300 and something students gathered to listen to the word of God for three days. We have expanded to Samburu, and the work of God is continuing. National Convention, by the year 2019, it had exploded we didn't, have, we didn't have room for students. We had divided the county into four. And even during COVID last year, we, we devised online ministry. What we did was we grouped students into WhatsApp groups all over the nation. We had about over 60 WhatsApp groups. Students grouped in them. 
we will design Bible study, design messages, and soon we will be studying things every evening. We are actively involved in Bible study. We do training. We have what we call peer ministry, and Makindu is very passionate about peer-to-peer -peer ministry. Most members here have been trained on this. We train CU leaders and prefects. We do national forums. Uh, we, we want people to belong to a particular team and all these things. We, do, we partner with churches. We partner with universities. We are working with KICD to develop the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, uh, ministry, the book, the training manual. And we have about 12 churches, this one included, which are committing to support the work every year. 98% of KCF workers are volunteers. There are people like Makindus, you see here. They use their money. They use their time to do ministry. We have those people all over the nation. But we have a small office in Nairobi which coordinates the work and uh, small staff whose salary is not even assured. They do the work as unto the Lord. We produce materials and do school visitation. Just roll it over. Roll it again. Go back. Just go back again. Go back. Again. Right. Right there, just then the next, the next. So the question we are asking, is high school ministry an option? Is it something we can decide to do or not to do? See, the truth is that the greatest impact ever made is to transform another person's life. We have the greatest opportunity ever as Christians to transform our country through high schools in Kenya. But this calls for sacrificial service, giving beyond our lives for the sake of God's kingdom. Those who changed their world made great sacrifices. Go to the next. Those who changed their world, they made great sacrifices. You've heard of the story of Peter Cameron Scott, a missionary to Kenya some years ago. This man was ministering in DRC Congo. And all of a sudden, his brother John dies. He takes him to Britain to bury him. He died of yellow fever. Then it had no, no cure at all. After burying his brother, Doctors confirm to him that he also had contracted the disease. And doctors tell him, you have only 14 months to live. One day he's walking around, and he comes to the grave of David Livingstone. And on that grave, he found written, for I have, for I have other sheep, which I must bring to this fold also. Peter Cameron Scott said, I felt God stood before me to say those words. And he concluded God was sending him to a greater mission work. 
He left Britain, traveled over 3,000 miles away, and came to Kenya. At the coast, he began to labor and to preach the gospel. 14 months later, he died. And when he died, there were only four people meeting in Amabati building who had given their lives to Christ through his preaching. But years later, those four people is what gave birth to what we call Africa Inland Church. Sacrificial service. Are you going to be part of that? Every Christian concerned with the future of Kenya need to put his or her hand in high school work. KCF has already provided a highway to school work in Kenya. We are in 250 sub-counties. A ministry which has existed since 1958. You can be part of it to change the world for Jesus. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. They have done everything for you and I. We can plug into that work and the Lord is going to move in our country. The Lord is going to help us. Hallelujah. Go to the next as I conclude. The book of Psalms chapter 127, King James Version. Children are an heritage to the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak, subdue, or destroy with the enemies at the gate. Go ahead. You see, the Bible here says children are legacy. God gives parents so that they can pass on their word and their works to them. Where the nation will survive its Christianity is linked to how effectively Christians are passing on their faith to their children. Successful parenting is when children are raised to pass on their faith to their children. Listen to this for a moment. A successful parent is when your children are raised up in a way they are able to pass on your faith, you pass on to them, to their children. You should see your grandchildren in the faith you have. That's to be called successful parenting. It's when your faith can live beyond you. When your daughter, who is in your hand now, gets married and she's able to teach her children the very values she learned from you. That is a success, that is successful what? Parenting. So you know, where should we get, where, where should we put more energy? It should, it, should, it should make us wiser. We have been told that wisdom does what? Enlarges the bonds. Good news. We should be wiser, brethren. Don't give, back, don't give birth to children and leave other people to raise them up for you. How many men here are not married? You're not married, you're a man. I'm saying you are at the age of marriage, but you are not married. I'm not saying about boys. 
or you are preparing to get married. <laughs> there are foundations you built. Foundations you built before you get a wife. There are foundations you build before you get a what? A wife. If you don't build them before you get a wife, you will destroy other people's children when you get married. I'm, thinking, I'm speaking to the men. You know, my wife is a devil. She destroyed herself. No. There are foundations you need to build when you're a single man. Most single men think that to be single is to sleep with women. Even the one you married, you slept with her first, then you married her. That's the foundation you laid. So there are foundations you built before you get a wife. Age does not make you qualify to be, get a wife. You can be 40, but you're still not ready to get a wife. You can be 50, but not ready to get a wife. Age is not the key to finding a what? A wife. And Alea, I'm not talking about marriage now. I'll maybe next time. Look at Asia Minor. Seven churches in the book of Revelation were in Asia Minor. Paul came from Tarsus, was from Asia Minor. Patmos, where, where, where John was banished, where he wrote the book of Revelation, was in Asia Minor. The book of Acts records five times Paul going to Asia Minor. Asia Minor is today Turkey. That Turkey is 97.5 Islam. If Paul came from the dead today and go to Asia Minor, he will be shocked. Children in Asia Minor today, they removed anything showing that that country was the bedrock of Christianity. They were wrested from their internet, they wrested from their library. Children born in Turkey cannot relate, they can't imagine that the country they are living in was the Jerusalem of the Gentile world. The largest church, the Antioch church, was built in Asia Minor. They lost it. Why did they lose it? They lost it because there's a generation that existed 1,014 years. Christianity existed in Asia Minor for 1,014 years. A generation rose up. Their main business was not passing on their faith to the next generation. Their main business was something else. Their commitment was not that what I know, the God I believe in, the God I serve, the God I've given my life to, that God will be served my children. That was not their commitment. What happened? They lost it. 500 BC, the president of that country made it a law 
that it is illegal for you not to go to church. It is illegal for you not to carry your Bible. Failure to carry your Bible will lead you to jail. That's how Christianity has spread so powerfully in Asia Minor. If you are told that generation that lived 500 years after Christ that this nation will be lost to Islam, they will stone you. They will kill you. They couldn't imagine it. Just as now, when we warn and tell people, few years from now, Kenya might lose it. Kenya may, lo may lose it. We may lose it as a, as a nation. Many people don't believe it. They don't see it as a reality. But listen to me, people of, of, of God who are Kenyans, it is possible to lose it. Don't be illusion. Don't live in illusion. And say that, no, we are Christians. Churches are many in Kenya. We have TV preachers. They had them. It is your mind. One of the best apostles, apostles live in that country, gave his life to that country. But that country still lost it. They lost it after a thousand years. Ludwig Kraft, who started the Anglican Church, came in 1842. That the first missionary to enter Kenya. So Christianity in Kenya has not lived even 300 years. And the symptoms are very high that we could be going back to Asia Minor. And you know the question is, are we going to rise up and serve the God whom we have believed in and bring our children to that God? That's the question. The problem facing you and I, we want the media to teach our children. We want our children to decide what program they watch on the TV. We want our children to decide what mobile phone we buy for them. If you go to the Muslim community, that is not something they argue with. Children know at that particular age, you can't be on Facebook. Children know in the Muslim community, at a particular age, there are programs you can't watch. They know it very well from a very tender age. Because they knew the destruction that can bring to the family. What is their main business? Their main business is madrasas. Children are taken there at the age of four. At the age of three, they are beginning to teach them every week. In every school now, they have mosque. What's the plan? Very soon. Very soon. The only thing you and I need to do, we must rise up and give our very life to the work of God. Will your God be the God of your children and your children's children? Go ahead. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. That's the church John pastored. He said, fathers, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. The church John pastored, young men overcame the wicked, me, the wicked one. There are not young men in our churches who copy rastas. Nyele imeja sijui na minagani anakuja church. Ameweka earring. This church John pastored, young men had overcome the world. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him, that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, 
because you are strong and the word of God abided in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do you have young men here who have overcome the wicked one? Do you have young men here who have overcome the wicked one? Because a church must have those young men who has overcome the world. They have not been corrupted by the worldly system outside there. What, did, what happened? John believed that young people were the carriers of revival. Do you believe that in this church? Invest in young people. Invest in young people. Let young people grow up transformed by the power of God. You know, my daughter was telling me this morning before I left the house, uh, when she joined the school, she hated the school. I didn't know why. But I, can, I continue telling her, you must go to that school. God has a purpose for you in that school. Every time she'll cry. You know, daughters like to cry to their fathers. <laughs> Mami, Nyamasa, let's go to school. After she has cried. Today she was sharing with me in the morning. She was saying how the devil wanted to destroy her destiny by changing the school. In the course of time, she started a, disciples, a discipleship program in the school. And she was telling me that over 200 girls have passed through her hand in discipleship. 200 of them. 200. She was telling me how now she has trained people to take over because she's leaving next year. And apparently the school invited me to go to, to the school. I'll be going there in, uh, in January. And one of the things I'll be doing is to commission the disciples which have been trained by this, my daughter, and commission them to do the work after the force have left. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Let's finish. How you can get involved, you can sponsor students, or you can use your profession, I've said. There's a form which is down there, you will fill it and give it to Mrs. McKindu so that she will know how to involve you after this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A better place to teach and admonish children is the home. The world is saturated with evil and can only be transformed by God's word. I want to give you hope. A study was done by this man called on the family of Jonathan. Jonathan Edwards, you know him, was a big preacher, powerful influence. 150 years after this man died, a man came called Winspin, did a research on the descendants of Jonathan Edward 150 years after he died. In his lineage, he found about 1,400 people, 1,400 descendants had come out of this man in a period of 150 years. His sons, his daughters gave birth to several people. A total of 1,400 men and women were interviewed. This man did a research on them to find out what became of, this, of the descendants of this great man of God. And he found out that among his descendants was one U.S. president, was a dean of law, 
a dean of medical students, three U.S. Uh, senators. Is the center that produced three governors in the U.S., three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, these were Christians, 285 college graduates. He invested his life in people, God ensured his generation is not lost. Now, this man did a, a very funny finding. He realized that the person who influenced the generation of Jonathan Edwards was his wife. And the wife was not seen in any public meeting. She was working behind the scene to ensure that children are raised in the ways of God. 150 years, the impact was great. They did another study on dukes who lived the same time as Jonathan Edwards. Dukes is believed to be, was very rich, invested heavily, but was a drunkard. He divorced several wives. They did a, a study on him among 1,200 people who had come from him. They found this man had produced seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 pupils, poor people, 440 who were physically wrecked and addicted to alcohol. 300 of them died prematurely. Praise the Lord. The inheritance of the Lord. What you do, God will ensure he passes it over to your generation. And just commit to God. Just be faithful to God. God will take care of the rest. Hallelujah. Let's go. And they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Nehemiah was called to build a broken wall. Here God is calling you and I to rise and build the lives of our children for the posterity of our nation and the impact it will have in God's kingdom. Will you heed the call? Let's pray. Will you heed the call? This morning, this afternoon, what is it the Lord is putting in your heart? What areas can you repent as a parent? What is it? You are making a decision today and say, God, I'm making this decision. I'm asking you to help me. I'm helping you, Lord. I'll be that mother who will invest in the life of my children. Father, I will do something beyond my family, beyond my workplace, beyond my relatives. You helping me, I'll reach out to people I've never met. Praying for them, going to where they are, giving my finances to support the work. Maybe that's what the decision God is laying in your heart. I don't know which one, but just commit them in the hand of God. Where you are seated, just commit what God is speaking to your heart. 
tell God, this is what you are playing in my heart. I'm asking you to help me. You are a young person in high school. You are going to the ways of the mob. You live in that school as if you are not from a Christian home. Today God is convicting you to change your life. Be that young man who fear God. Be that young girl who fears God. God is able to transform and change your life. Go back to that school and be a transformer. Join the Christian union. Be the mouthpiece of God. Transform lives. Today we have people here who are saying we join the high school work. The responsibility God is putting in your hands. Just commit it to God. Not to human beings. Don't commit it to your pastor. Don't commit it to your husband. Don't commit it to your father, to your father. Just commit it to God. Say, God, this is what you are putting in my heart. I'm asking you to help me. Help me this afternoon. And change my life. And transform me. I'll be that man, that woman you want me to be. Create a new heart in me. I'll do it. Because I realize you are calling me to it. Just talk to God for a moment as we pray. As our pastor come to conclude.